He likes to tell you if anyone will listen about his seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot. It has been a long time coming, but here we are, over two years since the last episode was released. The Longman's Football World podcast is back. I know in the meantime, you guys have probably found different favourites to listen to every week. There's been about a million different pods released over the last couple of years, but the biggest and best is back. And we're back for a special little mini-series at the moment, leading up to the Euros. I must warn you guys, this is quite Wales heavy, quite Wales specific in terms of the guests that I've uh, recorded with so far, but everybody's brilliant Um, for different reasons, great guests, everybody offers something a little bit different, which leads me on to the first episodes. One of my favourite people in the world, Mr Chris Coleman, absolute legend in Wales for what he achieved as manager uh, during Euro 2016. If I had to pick one guest to do a podcast with uh, since I started doing this, Chris Coleman would be right at the top of the list. Um, So excited for you guys to hear this chat. We actually recorded one before the pandemic hit. I drove down to where he lives, recorded kind of an hour. Um, There were some technical issues, which we discuss shortly on the new podcast. My uh, little recording device failed me. Um, But obviously the pandemic hit and I decided not to release it, but I was fortunate enough recently to be able to spend some time with Chris uh, for a TV show where he was learning Welsh and I was his mentor, and we managed to sit down and record a podcast just for you guys. Um, So what a week we had. We spent the week in a bubble with each other and basically in the evenings just getting drunk, drinking red wine. So we sat down, did the pod before we drank too much wine, otherwise... As we say at the end of the pod, loose lips sink ships. So we didn't want to get down that road or too far down that road. Really excited for you guys to hear this episode um, with a man who has so much charisma. He's brilliant. Uh, This is Chris Coleman. And of course, before we get into the chat, hey, you're not here for the guests. You're not here for me. You're just here for the theme tune, aren't you? The long man's football world. We are back. Chris, this is not the first time we've done a podcast together. No, it's not. We once met in the Winchester Hotel, is that right? Yes, we did. You came down, big fella. I think it was like before this started happening, um, the lockdown and everything. Uh, and uh, yeah, you came down, fair play. You made the journey down from North Wales. Uh, and we yeah, we spent a couple of hours together. Go on, give what, what do you remember? Where did we record? Well, I remember, yeah, I remember you saying, you told me the hotel, and I know it very well in Winchester, where I live, and um, and I came in and you said, right, we've got to do this in, in my room because um, it's too noisy downstairs in the hotel. So we got into your room, and uh, the, the, the big surprise for me was that <laughs> your feet were bigger than your room, it was, you put the key in the room and smashed the back window. It was absolutely tiny. And I thought, oh, we both going to get in there <laughs> with that equipment. And the equipment was a phone, which is good. But um, no, but it, no, it was good. It was a good podcast. And um, it was a shame it didn't come out. It never went out. It never went out. I never released it because the plan was to release, say, I'd already done, it used to go out weekly. Yeah. yeah. 
when yeah. I when I retired. Fifty plus episodes. Oof, good, wow. Good going, eh? Oof. And, and then I stopped because I got a job and I was working full time, meaning I didn't have time, unfortunately. But if I had the opportunity to do a podcast with Chris Coleman, oof, come on. <laughs> Come on, anything, anything are still, goes. Are you still saying that after three days with me, 24 yeah, hours a day? I'll explain that Holding now. my hand. I'll explain that now. So I made the journey to Winchester. We did a podcast. Hopefully you didn't feel, what's going on here? Why is the big man dragging me to, to his bedroom in the hotel? It was a right. bit, I was a bit nervous, but I'd already had my phone on speed dial. <laughs> right, so we got there and this is a disaster. Anyway, it didn't go out because COVID hit. Euros didn't happen. The plan was to release maybe eight episodes before the Euros, didn't happen. I thought, I'll sit on it, I'll wait, and I'll release it at a later date. Time went on, didn't it? COVID, lockdown went worse and worse and worse, thinking, oh my God. So I've reached the point, I was still gonna put it out, but the opportunity's come for us to do a, a TV program in Wales, S4C, which we will discuss, you learning Welsh, and we'll get into that. But the biggest thing that I remember from that day, I've waited so long to do a podcast with you, pinned you down, got you in the room, and then halfway through, I don't know if you remember this, halfway through, the machine to record the pod, do, do you remember my face? Because I, you know, I can see the time on this little machine, and then we're chatting, 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 and then I look down, and it's gone off. I don't know how well, how well I hid it, the blood drained from my face, thinking, I've waited for this podcast. I remember, right? I've waited for this. I look down and thinking, I don't know when it went off. I don't know how much I've lost. Where can we pick it up? Yeah. The machine then wouldn't work. Mm. So I've had to do voice note on my phone to record the rest of the half hour. I, I didn't enjoy that half hour because mm. I was sweating. I didn't know if voice note switched off when the phone went off. What do you remember? I remember you panicking halfway through. You, your color was starting to go red. And I said, oh, you're right, big fella. And you're like, I'm really sorry, lost it. The record it's not working i'm gonna have to do this on my phone and then the other half of the interview was a completely different interview because you were panicking whether it was recording or not so your questions were different i think because you were always you weren't looking at me you were looking at your phone i was in a rush you, I, I, I thought i thought i was boring you because you like i thought he just wants to get me out of this room here he's, like, he's had a guts full maybe i'm going on too long you know what I mean? oh crisp <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> Shorter answers. Short How was the Euros sharp. case? Yeah, pretty good. All right, great. Yeah, Let's that'll move on. Do. That'll do. We'll move on. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are. You're on a different pathway now. Yes. Right? Yes. A little sabbatical from management. Yes. You're learning Welsh. Why? Because I should learn Welsh. I, I always felt, um, I didn't say a twinge guild. It was more than a twinge guild. I think if you, this is how I look at it. I think, you know, if you, you're gonna step into the big boy shoes and you're gonna step into the big boy shoes and and say, yeah, I'm up for leading my country and I'm up for being the manager of my country. You know, we're Wales at the end of the day and our language is not English. It's not just Welsh. Mm. Um, so I always felt guilty that I couldn't converse. We traveled around all around Wales, myself and Ian Gwyn Hughes, we traveled all around Wales, targeting every area. And these are the days where we weren't playing very well. You know, I think we were ranked at one point we ranked outside the top 100, I think, and sometimes we go to places with 15 or 20 people. Um, my hometown, Swansea, yeah. there was 20 people that turned up to talk to us. Mm. Um, and I was a bit surprised, I thought, you know, I'd, be, I'd been a Swansea City player, um, blah, 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 but that's how bad the situation was at the time. Uh, but when I came to the north of Wales, and we went to a few places in the north of Wales, we were, you know, we were packing places out, two or three hundred people. This is before we started winning. Um, and sometimes we got the places and they, they give it an opinion as to what we wanted. It wasn't always what I wanted to hear. Because, a bit fiery sometimes, yeah. Well, yeah, but you have, to, you have to understand that. You know, we weren't doing very well. Um, but I've got to say, most of the time it was just, they were happy to see us. They were, the passion for their country was incredible. It humbled me. And, um, and then I always felt guilty that I couldn't converse with them mm. properly in Welsh. Um, and when I was doing a job, probably made loads of excuses. I can't start now, it's too difficult a language to start. I can't devote enough hours to that. You know, I've got a, I've got a family, I've got six children. I had, well, I had four children at the time. And then my Charlotte, 
my wife. Then we had two children. So I thought, right, there's just so much I got to do and I can't. I'm just putting it off and just making excuses. So, but I always felt guilty that I couldn't because I thought, if I'm going to puff my chest out and think I can, my ego is big enough to think I can lead my country. And all I wanted to do from a, from a young age was to play for Swansea, play for Wales. Those are my ambitions. But then you go, right, so you finish playing. I'm going to become a manager. I want to become a manager. Lucky enough to do that. I want to manage Wales. Okay. Then you've got to do the, it's got to be the follet. That's just how I look at it. It's, it's different for everybody else. Yeah. I wouldn't judge anybody else. It's how I wanted to do it. And it's the one thing I never did. I, I, everybody will talk about us qualifying and what happened at the tournament. And that's where I think I failed because I couldn't converse in, in the Welsh language to, to the people who's, you know, in Wales, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of people that speak the Welsh language and that's their first language. Yeah. I couldn't converse with them and I always, I always felt guilty of that. I think the thing is, if, you, if you're going to learn a new language, time is a massive factor. You know that. You've got to put the hours in. Um, and if you're a manager, you ain't got the time. And that, that is the reality. People will always say that oh, you can always find time. If you're a football manager, you're in it. You're embroiled in it. Um, there's, there's no real time to think about other things. You can't, as a football manager, really think, oh, I'm going to pick up tennis now. I'm going to become a good tennis player, table mm. tennis, whatever, mm. new language. Mm. Very difficult. So you're making the most of this time now. But you're talking there about fans, Wales fans across the country love their country. I think down south, slight difference. If there's Swansea fans, if there's Cardiff fans, a lot of the time the, the club comes first, certainly in those times, your early days. North Wales is a flip. Yeah. Wales first, Cymru, Gunter, and then whoever they support, whether it's Liverpool, Everton, uh, Chelsea, whoever it is, you probably didn't realise that until you were making those journeys and seeing the guys and the, and the women who sometimes struggle to speak English. It's their second language. Yeah, yeah. So that was probably quite humbling for you. It was. I think you're absolutely spot on, you know, in Swansea, in Cardiff, Newport. These teams have been playing in, obviously, professional leagues and the English leagues. <clears throat> um, I'm not a hypocrite because I play for Swansea um, in the lower leagues, but my ambition, I wanted to play as high as I could, mm. which meant I had to go across the border into England and play for different teams. Um, but I always, Wales, to play for Wales was more to me than play for any club I played for. Mm. And at Swansea also, to play for Wales to me meant more. And I dreamt about playing for, I watched Swansea City since I was eight. Me and my best mate, my best mate Buggy, still my best mate today. I remember going to the game, Swansea City at the Vetchfield, watching the Swans, watching John Toshak and all these players. Swansea born and bred players, Dudley Lewis, Nigel Stevenson, Jeremy Charles, Alan, Alan Curtis is a, was a Ronda boy, but Robbie James, um, you know, all these, I'm watching this team rise and thinking, I would give anything to be on that pitch, and I'm going to try and do that, just like that feeling, mm. and I'm sure there was thousands of other young kids that said the same thing. So then I got to do that, it was an amazing feeling, but my burning desire was to play for Wales. So then when, going back to what you're saying about down south, you're right, Cardiff, Swansea, Newport, definitely club first. The North Wales is different. It's different. They think Wales first. Better, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, when I, you know, as, as Welsh manager, when I travelled up here and I was, I definitely felt that, I, I'll say, no, I went, let me, let me rephrase that, because when I was in South Wales, Travelling around, I go to Carmarthenshire or places like that. They were Wales first. It's the cities, the Cardiff and the Swansea, yeah, the Newport, yeah. the big cities. Then they're, they're, they're their team, that's their team first. But certainly come up to the north of Wales and uh, yeah, I was, I was surprised. And Ian Gwynhew said to me, you'd be surprised, because I kept saying to him, listen, Ian Gwynhew says, there'll be a few people here tonight. We, we could be anywhere up in the north. And uh, I said, all right, he says, uh, you'd be surprised. And I said, well, what will I be surprised at? Are we going to, you know, I said, at the minute, we're receiving a lot of criticism. I said, we, me, I'm receiving a lot of criticism. Will it get a bit heated? He said, it'll get a bit heated. He said, but you'll, always be you'll also be surprised at the level of passion they have for Wales and how much they want Wales to do well and they want you to do well. Because yeah. now, you know, you're the head of the They the go team. hand in hand. Hand in hand. And he was absolutely spot on. And I was, 
I remember driving back one night, I think it was Port Maddock we were, mm. driving back, calling my wife up and saying, she was my wife then, we were, st- we, we were living together, Charlotte, myself, and I remember calling up and saying, well, you can't, because I remember saying to her, I gotta go to Port Maddock, this could be a bit frosty, because we're not winning. I drove back and said, that was, was unbelievable. The reception we had. You're always gonna get questions. You're always gonna get people who are not very happy and they want to know why this is happening and that, and tell you that they think this, that, or the other, and that just goes with the job, but predominantly, the, the, it was amazing, it really was, and it gave me a bit of, I'm driving back with a bit of confidence and a bit of a spring in my step, more than what I had when I was driving there. Do you, do you know what I think though, Chris? I think your biggest strength, I'm not gonna blow smoke up your ass and stuff, you probably don't want things easy. Mm. That's, that's maybe why you're learning Welsh now. Yeah. Uh, what are you, 40? <laughs> That's probably why, because- 42, come on big fella. If everything's easy, uh, I'm not sure if it stirs up enough in you. Mm. Uh, and so times are hard. Obviously you wanted things easy on the pitch. You wanted results mm. to be going well, but they weren't. So to go to places and you know people don't call you out on it, but they question you. Mm. Then it works both ways. You, you best have your answers ready. And I think your biggest skill is that your answers are one, ready, and two, it, it kind of comes from the heart and, and you use that personality, comes across as honest as the day's long. If you're honest with people, if you're honest with football fans, mm. they'll see it mm. and they'll see you want to do right. Mm. Whereas if you're a blagger, yeah. you, mm. you'll get no. found out. Or if right. you're trying to pull the wool over their eyes, mm. they're not stupid because they see with their eyes. Mm. When fans see a football team on the pitch doing, performing badly, and a manager afterwards says, come on, we had more possession than them. Yeah. We won more corners than them. Yeah. It's not good enough, because well, the fans- They don't swallow that. They don't swallow that. Your eyes yeah. tell you everything. Yeah, they and I think that's what they were, would have respected more than anything. Yeah, yeah, they don't swallow that. And I know that for sure. And I think um, you have to, even, so what you're saying is, but that's with everybody, right? Because mm. when you speak into players, if you tell them, I found that out because certainly in my early days with Wales, I was trying to blag it because it was such a strange situation, an unthinkable situation we were all in. Um, then I was trying to make everything okay for everybody rather than just saying, this is gonna have to like wash yourself out however long it takes for the lads to get their heads around where we are because we'd lost speeds. So the results may not be good and the performances may not be good until they get it out of their system and they can focus enough on the game and training and going forward. But everybody, we were all still mourning, you know. We were mourning Gary. But I, I was pushing too hard at the start and I was trying to do what he'd been doing. It's mm. exactly what you're saying. You get found out. Well. You're doing really well. And you, you know, you get found out when you're not being honest. And you can't get somebody to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself. So, and that's, I had that problem at the start of my, of my reign with Wales, and then it got to a stage where it was just like, you, know, you just have enough, you just got that. That's it, I'm not doing that anymore. Even if this is my last day, I'm not doing that anymore. And that's where I got the stage with Wales where it was, right, that's it, I'm gonna rip this up. I'm doing exactly how I want to do it, and if I last a game, two games, I don't care. This is what we're doing. It was only at that moment when I was like at the prep, was on the edge of a cliff looking down into the abyss. But that's where you do your best work, where there's no safety net, because that's when it comes out what you really want to do and how you really see things and what you really want to say to people. And as long as you're honest with them, I think people accept that. And that's what I found anyway with Wales, and that's what I found when I was speaking to every corner of the country when we went traveling. Um, and we got a great response and, you know, it's just because they just, I, I just think people in general like honesty. What was it like for you? You know, we've heard of the big changes that you felt you had to do. Ash became the captain. Um, what was it really like for you? Because you were mourning, the lads were mourning a manager, a manager that they loved and you were mourning one of your closest friends in football. And then you're, 
you're trying to take over and, and keep the momentum Gary Speed has had as a manager. How are you feeling proper going home, dealing with everything that was going on? Because one absolutely unprecedented, no one has ever took a manager's job in those circumstances and had to deal with what you were, le what you were left to deal with. Yeah, it was, <clears throat> I was disappointed when I got it and we had a few games that we, don't, we weren't doing very well. I was disappointed with them. Some, a lot of the media in how they looked at it. They should have looked at it differently. I've been in the game long enough. I can accept criticism, I don't mind, but it's very hypocritical. There was one hand is we just lost speeds. And then the other hand, but you've got to win the next game. You've got, it was like, and I was thinking, Two games ago, we, we've won. Two games ago, we had a different manager, you know, and we haven't lost a manager. He's not gone to manage another club to do another job. He's not here now. He's somewhere else. So it's very hypocritical what was being said and written and the pressure that was put on us. Um, and I didn't help myself in in certain situations, of course. But um, yeah, it was it was it was a period there where. Every time we had a squad, every time we had a, a game on a meetup, I was dreading it. Every time it finished, I'd be driving home thinking, I hate this, I don't want to do it. Um, and I, you feel like, you feel useless, you feel, you feel like you're a liar, and you feel like you're, you're a fake, and you feel like you're pretending all the time. And that's what, effectively what I kind of was doing. Do you feel you weren't good enough in comparison to, to Gary Speed? Because, I, yeah, and then I guess to a stage where you go, oh, that's why I'm not doing as well as I should be because I'm trying to be something that I'm not. I was trying to do what he was doing. Yeah. And what he was doing was good for him. It was working for him. It's not necessarily my belief. Well, it wasn't. And it was only when... <clears throat> How can you put it in layman's terms? I grew a pair of kahunas, maybe that's, maybe how you say it in layman's terms. Paro keichai. That's a hard, some of these Welsh Pelli. words. So difficult, some of these Welsh words, they really are. Nesti dove par, you grew a pair. I grew a pair, correct, I grew a pair. I think we all do that. At a certain stage of our life we go, you're suffering, you're suffering, you're suffering putting people in pressure on you, suffering, and then you go, hold on a minute, no, that's that, that's it, no more. Well, which, whichever way this goes, it's not gonna go the way that you want me to go. And once you get to that stage, I think you start moving forward in any direction, as long as it's the way that you wanna go. And that's where I was with Wales at that time, and I just got tired of doing something that I didn't believe in. Um, and I thought, you know, I'd upset a few players, because I'd made a lot of changes and, and I wasn't speeds in every sense of the word. But I thought, well, no, I'm not speeds. Speeds is speeds. I just gotta be, what, I am what I am. Good, bad or indifferent, take me for what I am or don't take me, make your mind up because I don't care now. This is where we're going, this is what we're doing. It goes right, it goes wrong, I don't know. Uh, but this is exactly what we're gonna do. And, um, that's, yeah, that was a start of something different. How do you cope as a manager, manager of Wales or whatever club? Personally, if I see criticism, I'll see it, is it constructive criticism? Is it from somebody that I respect? And then you, I think you have to take it on board and you know those you know, avenues where they come in, whatever mm. line of work you're in. Sometimes it's kind of white noise. And a lot of the time you think, especially in this day and age with social media, which I know you're not on, but you will get to know so-and-so saying this, so-and-so saying that. How do you cope with that as a manager now um, when you see all this? Because this, your answer, it'll be different, but all managers, all players have to deal with this now, this mm. outside noise. Mm. How do you cope with it? How do you then cope with seeing those people weekly in a, in a, in a press conference? I've got no problem with someone saying something about me publicly and then saying it to my face. That's, that's why I think. I ain't got a problem with that. I've got a huge problem with people saying something critically 
critical about me publicly. And then when they see me say, I'm sorry I said that, Chris, I didn't mean it. I, go, I, I, can't, I don't have five seconds in there. I, I can't be with those people. You're not going to like what you see with the edit of this TV programme. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to answer my call. There's not going to be this, another podcast, let me tell you. Well, let's make the most of this one, right? Don't yeah. worry about it. It'll but, be a quick one because you've got an Indian on the go. <laughs> but yeah. But you know what I mean? People, yeah. people who, who say things in public to build themselves up and make themselves look this, that or the other. And then when they see you privately, say, so I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Well, it's too late because you, you've already said it. So you don't have to come and apologise to me because I'm not going to lose a night's sleep over it. But the very fact now you've come into my space and you started talking about the mistake that you made, yeah. I don't, wanna, don't, don't worry about it. It doesn't bother me. Is that what you think of me? It's not a problem because I don't even think of you for one second. It's all right. Just stay over there. Keep, keep your distance. Say what you like. No problem. But say what you like and then don't ever come into my space because I don't want to deal with you. I don't need to deal with you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? But it's something that you have to put up with. But, you know, you deal with it in your own way, I suppose. Is yeah. the worst one, like we've referred to it a couple of times this week. Come on. I saw you, you know, as part of this week, you had to paint lines on a football pitch. Uh, we had to get in a mud assault course. Um, you know, you were referring to Serbia away. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Seriously, low. though. Low. Was, was that the worst one? And then what... I can't remember. I think I was still playing football, so, you know, I, I wouldn't have been in Wales seeing mm. the headlines and this and that. Was that the worst period? Yeah, it was... That was the, that, that coach journey back from the stadium to the hotel. I was... Like, Kid Simon's my right-hand man, and I was on the verge of just saying, this is the job I wanted. It's, but not at this time, I can't do it. There's too much going on. Um, I remember as well in the dressing room after the game, we just lost 6-1. So we lost 6-1. Um, I remember it was one or two players who said, hey, remember what we always said? We stick together. And I thought that was uh, maybe a jibe at me saying, before you arrived, this is what we always did. This is what we always talked about. You're, you're just here, but you don't matter because we've already discussed this. And I thought, right, okay. So the initial the early games we had was Mexico and New York yeah. in June where we lost 2-0, but we played okay, boiling hot heat. But we played okay. Then we played Bosnia, home in a friendly. And Bosnia had just come back from the World Cup, or going to the World Cup, good team. And we lost both games. Our first, our first game was against Belgium, at home, which we got James Collins sent off in the first half. We lost 2-0. And then we played Serbia away and we got walloped. Mm. And that's when everybody started piling on. Because um, it's also the start of a campaign, familiar story for Wales football correct. fans. Uh, hope, what could be, yeah. early on, bang, couple Wallop. of spankings, correct. it's over, and it's, you've yeah. still got six, seven games to play. Yeah, correct, right? So, it was, well, we had eight games because it was Belgium home, Serbia away, lost both. Like, we'd lost 6-1, and we were awful. Mm. We were awful in Serbia. And I, I was, of course, I was looking at myself and think, Christ almighty. But I looked at some of our players and I thought, you, you haven't got it now, and you're never going to have what we need to turn this around and start going forward. And one or two players who, you know, they, they had good experience, were playing for decent clubs. But, you know, when I looked, when you, when you work with someone up close and personal, you find a bit more out. And I wasn't wrong. Um, but that whole campaign then, it was... It was in the campaign that was a disaster, not a disaster, but it was a failure because we didn't qualify. We still went, we went to Scotland and it was one of the best performances I've ever seen from any Welsh team. Yeah. It was an amazing performance. Uh, we played Scotland off the park, one, two, one, it was in the snow. We passed the ball, we were outstanding. But there was always this like negativity hanging over us and we could just feel it, you know. Mm. Um, then, end of that campaign, Last two games, we beat Macedonia home, go away to Belgium, draw 1-1. One, one. 
Um, I remember we had 15 pullouts in that game. You were there, big fella. You oh, were there. That's, that's you why. <laughs> you were, <laughs> no. Listen, but that was it. That was, see, people don't, people talk about Baylo and Rambo and Ash, actually Williams, Joe Allen and Wayne Hennessy and Joe Ledley and all, you know, all these. The secret of that success, there was a group of people, not two or three or 11 or even 18 or 20. I'm talking about, there must have been 150 people involved in that. Because it wasn't just the players, and all the players were turning up all the time, whether they'd been picked in the last squad or they hadn't. They turned up all the time. They turned up injured. Then outside of that, I had my staff, my core staff, outside of that staff, call it the FAW at the offices. Everybody bought into Together Stronger. And that was a movement, it wasn't just, because you can't, I think people look at that time and go, all right, they won a couple of games there, then they got lucky with this and that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We came from nowhere, from nothing, and we built it. I say we, not me, we, it was everybody. And you, you, know, you can't do anything by yourself that's worth doing. You need help, mm. you need to recognize who can help your situation. You might have a plan, right? who can help that plan? Who's in and who's out? Um, it took me two years to find out, okay, that's that, that's that, that's that. I can count on him, I can count on him. I'll only count on him if I absolutely need to because actually he's not what he needs to be. Mm. He's not what we need him to be. Um, and that's, you know, that's how it was, but it was very much a, it was a, it was a huge group of people involved in that. Not Gareth Bale, not Aaron Ramsey, not Jest. Without them, we don't do it because you need them. You need the sparkle. You are, it's amazing. But we need everybody. We actually need everybody. And in the dressing room, the atmosphere in the dressing room, the second campaign was as good as I've ever seen any dressing room. The first campaign, it wasn't. A bit of bitterness, a bit of poison. Faces changed in the second campaign. Mm. Brought in James Chester, who was an absolute soldier. Um, and the atmosphere changed. And that's where, then we call it, the innocent climb had it, uh, happened. So we come from nowhere, bang, bang, bang. Winning games you shouldn't be winning, start climbing, all of a sudden we get to a stage, we're halfway, halfway through the qualifying campaign and we're second or first. And we always said the goal was forget 10 games, where are we after four or five games? Because normally we're out of the picture. No, this time, we weren't just in the picture, we were taking the pictures. We were top. It was all about us. It was all about us. So that changed everything. I remember the first one, um, which we're looking back, Andorra away, mm. because I was still playing. It wasn't long left, let me tell you. The longevity <laughs> was gone. I think I'd played in the reserve game for Hibs. No, I'd just moved to Falkirk and I was on last legs, and I was playing the reserve game, because I haven't played in months, in St. Johnson, and I remember being on the bus back from a reserve game, getting my fitness up, before a game for a first team, and seeing on Twitter, Wales team, right, this is the lineup, blah, blah, blah. Maybe first half, Wales are losing. Oh, shit. One, one, first oh, half. Oh, shit. Yeah, one no down. to start with, yeah. Yeah. Penalty, Twitter, getting some abuse from the lads. Um, who I was starting to just starting to get to know, thinking, oh my god, got home, and then the moment, because let's be honest, if the moment doesn't happen, the knives are going to be out. Am mm. I right in saying the knives are out even with the win? Well, they're out anyway, yeah. 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 So the knives are out. Mm. Ugh, just struggle to beat Andorra. What are you playing three at the back for? Yeah. Bailo, header, free kick, retaken free kick. Correct. Look back now, right? Sliding doors moments. Yeah. If that free kick isn't retaken, correct. Yeah. What what, what happens? Yeah. So for you after that game, relief, I'm sure. Um, but how did you feel? I was standing on the touchline, being one 0 We were on a pitch, by the way. Never that make pitch was, Oh my it god, was horrendous. horrendous. I just thought, oh no. I I'd gone three at the bat because I was defensive against Andorra, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what people look at three I of the back and they go, oh, it's defensive. But yeah. we played two strikers on the day, flying wing backs, two strikers, a number 10 in behind, and people said, oh, it's defensive. 
I, I didn't care because it wasn't actually about the Andorra game, it was about the Bosnia game next, and that's why I went three at the back. And um, But yeah, you th you're thinking if we draw this, actually we, we win it 2-1, we win it 2-1, it could be curtains. But, you know, um, we get back, um, and yeah, we're receiving loads of criticism. Um, but that hadn't changed. That hadn't really changed for eighteen months or two years, really, to be honest. So we just got on with doing what we wanted to do. The three at the back was in place before we played Bosnia, who was the first game of a double header, Bosnia and Cyprus in Cardiff. Um, and the reason we played three at the back against Andorra because we wanted to play three at the back against Bosnia. Um, which was going to be a tougher game, and it was almost like a rerun. But we got the three points. But at that stage, it wasn't. There was more interest in us losing than it was in us winning. If that makes sense, mm. people were looking. Oh yeah, are they going to lose? Because you know, people like to print negativity, unfortunately. Um, so it's probably more interest in us losing than when we won the game, albeit only two-one. But I wasn't bothered. We just needed three. I told the lads, just get the three points. We've got to win the game. Go through this system, this formation. If it if it comes on top, it's my fault. Don't worry. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna go through it. Um, just get over the line. I said half time. I said it's one one. We'll score. Mm. Could be the next minute. It could be the last minute. We will score. Don't worry. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully that <laughs> happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we got we got over the line with it. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. So we played Bosnia with three at the back. Nil-nil draws a great tear-up. It was because the Bosnians are tough boys. They were a good team. Drew nil-nil. Could have gone either way. And uh, it was a great atmosphere. It was brilliant in Cardiff. And the next game then, four days later, was Cyprus at home. And we I, went, I remember watching that game, Chris, yeah. because I was on my way down from Scotland. I don't know if it was a weekend game. I stopped off on the way in Joe Allen's house. Ah, yeah. Because he was suspended, I think, yeah, for he Cyprus. Was. Yeah, yeah, we missed him. And yeah. we watched it there. And we yeah. seen the win. All of a sudden, yeah. you're in a position, seven points out of nine, Wales are not in a position of, it's over before we started. Correct. Oh, we've we, we got yeah. points on the board here. It was points on the board, but it was also going into the Cyprus game. The next two games are Israel away, Belgium home. So my, my chat with the players was, this is a huge opportunity. I never put pressure on them to win, to get three points. I just put pressure on them to practice what we'd been preaching in training. Mm. Well, you know that because you were there with us. Um, so, so this is the game plan. We switched from a three to, a, to from a three, five, two, we went to a four, three, three against Cyprus. Okay. So we wanted to be more offensive. We had flying wing backs. Neil Taylor was a flyer, or Ben Davis, it might have been. Chris Cunt at the other side. Um, and we're very offensive in our in our setup. We we were two 0 up after twenty odd minutes, thirty minutes. We could have been five 0 We were excellent. They nick one back. Come out second half. Kingy gets sent off. So now it's two one. We got ten men. And I'm thinking uh -oh. these three points are the biggest points we're ever going to earn in this campaign because it's, it means us going into the next two games where. You've already said it. We got seven points from the from the nine, which is a good return for anyone. We get over the line, and the lads were brilliant with ten men. They were brilliant, and um, we get over the line, get the, and then we we got to go to Israel. That leads us to Israel, okay? And this is where I feel a little bit of a fraud. You know, somebody who puts a bet on, but really they're in the know. They've had a bit of information. So being luckily enough, lucky enough to be in the squad, a small part of it, you know, here and there. And seeing what was going on, and seeing the momentum, knowing a few of the lads, and hearing, oh, this is the feeling now, that probably helped me ease, helped me go into retirement. My knee, uh, I'd had another knee injury, another operation, decided to call it quits, I was done. But I'd be lying if I said, partly, I had one eye on the Euros, okay? I didn't feel I was ever in a position to be in a 23 for the Euros, but I knew, right, this is happening. There's a little snowball here that's starting yeah, to yeah. gather momentum. Yeah. And I thought, France 2016, 
there's every chance Wales can be a part of that. So I started making phone calls after retiring to try and get in the media, thinking, I want to be there. I want to be there and see these boys, lads that I know, friends, yourself. Um, you know, we didn't know what was to come, but I, I wanted to be a part of it because I, I knew something was building. And then yeah. Israel was my first away trip as part of the media. And what a trip. Enjoyed it off the pitch, out of work, <laughs> no question. And then on the pitch, that's one of the most complete. If you take the Euros itself out of it, Russia, mm. Belgium, mm. that's one of the most complete performances yeah, that I've enjoyed watching Wales. That was outstanding. Because they we were got, top of the group. Yeah, they, were top, they, they just won four on a bounce. They were flying. We knew the atmosphere. If you remember, the atmosphere was full on. Mm. It was great. Um, and we took loads of fans to Israel. They were brilliant, our fans. And uh, that was the beginning of the Red Wall, I think. And then, um, so we we switched from four three th from three five two to four three three against Cyprus. Then we go back. Then we go three four three. That's when we introduced the box midfield. That's the one. That was the game because we looked at Israel, and I was watching Israel. And they were quite offensive, but they emptied a lot of midfield. And I just looked. I thought our midfield players, we can boss this through the midfield. Just getting Baylor and Rambo to understand as dual tens, two number tens, their jobs without it. Um, so we went through the training sessions and you, there was a little, they were a little bit skeptic, um, like a feeler on them. I said, trust it, don't worry, it'll be fine. It means you two are going to get the ball higher up the pitch. It's less running back for you because we're going to win it higher. Um, and then when you win it higher, you've got less yards to run. Uh, to attack mm. because defensively they're not the best Israel and it worked a trip. We, we end up scoring we dominated the first half but we hadn't scored and we scored just before half time which is perfect kick for all our lovely play in the first half the goal came it was a big kick from Wayne mm. the flick on from Baylor Rambo going the end of it and headed it in one no our fans in the corner are going absolutely ballistic we go in one one nil up so we're trying to say to the members, saying to the lads, keep doing what you're doing, keep creating the chances, keep, keep hold of the ball, we're playing lovely, we're getting a switch out the other side. Like Chris Gunter on the night was excellent. His positioning was brilliant. Kept saying to him, be higher when we're in possession. So when it's on Tails' side, or Ginger's playing left side, it's sent half of a three. So when Ginger's got it, or Tails' side, you be high and wide. It'll feel unnatural to you, but be online with their fullback. And that's what Chris did every time, which then their, his winger had to come back mm. to try and mark him. The fullback was spare, but then who marks Baylor, who, who marks Rambo, who was playing as a number 10, right side or left side number 10. And that was a whole game plan and it worked a treat. Uh, and on the night, we just played some great football. They got a man sent off, yeah. which gave us a free kick on the edge of the box and we score from the free kick. Sometimes it all falls into place. Yeah. And then we scored a third goal. Rambo and Baylor combined, they were excellent. But all night, we were superb on the night. And you can feel something then. You're thinking, something's definitely happening here. But I know uh, you'd had a little trial with Bale up top. The reason this formation fell into place, Bale and Ramsey number 10s, was to get the most out of him, mainly. Rambo, of course. Mm. But how do you get Bale more touches on the ball to be more influential and we right. know how influential he's been as a manager now half time whether it's israel whether it's belgium when it's tight at home um, you're looking for a result any result how are you as a manager how do you feel right we know you you take a couple of minutes to gather your thoughts give a little message to the players you know strip it back strip it right back what is going through your mind as chris coleman ready to speak to these players, whether it's before a game, half-time, or after. Are you talking directly before they go out, or...? G give, give me both. And not, and not, you know, I gather my thoughts, I say this, and then blah, blah, blah. What are you really thinking? Do you go to the toilet? Are you in the urinal? And then you go to the mirror, wash your hands. Hopefully you wash your hands, Chris. So you're, talk, you're talking game day, right? I'm you thinking talk... in your head. Yeah. Game day, yeah. before the game, definitely. Half-time especially, because there's less time. Before the game, you can prepare what you're going to say. Yeah. These are the messages. Yeah. Half time, you have to think on your feet. Yeah. 
And I know you have that time to gather your thoughts. Mm. You look yourself in the mirror, Chris Coleman, this is what I'm going to say. Because yeah. it's so, so important, that message. Yeah, we had to get that message right because when you're playing against a team like Belgium, you've heard the saying, haven't you? Well, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're fighting a bear, you don't stop when you are tired. You can only stop when the bear's tired. So you're playing Belgium. I've never fought a bear. I fought one or two, to be fair, and I've never won, yeah. but you know, I've tried. Um, anyway, <laughs> you've got it. The point is, you just got to empty. And I remember we'd worked for two weeks building up to Belgium. We went to have a friendly game, and hats off to the FAW, who I remember saying to them, I don't want a friendly game. You hated friendlies. I, two reasons I hated friendlies. One, I thought that was special time that we could practice. Because you don't get international, you don't get the players all the time, right? So you've got all that time to practice a formation. And because you, you, oh, and you know, you play at that level, tactically, you've got to be aware and switched on, and you have to have a plan, right? You have to have a plan. So we had two weeks building up the Belgium game where we worked the formation three, four, three, box midfield. What happens with the ball? Mm. What happens without it? So with the ball, we attack with five, but we always had five behind the ball. We had the three central defenders and two holding midfielders. The two holding midfielders weren't allowed to go forward, ever. The mat, never. Two against Belgium. Against, against other teams, maybe one. Different, different, yeah. yeah okay. Belgium are home, two midfielders, Ledley, Allen, you don't move, you sit there, do not move. Two wing backs can go, Two tens can go and our striker. Two holding midfield players, three centre backs. You don't vacate the centre of the pitch because that's where they kill you, Belgium. They want to dominate and manhandle you in the centre of the pitch. Pull you around, switch you, turn you around, switch the play and then get in behind you. So we never give up the middle of the pitch. And that's what we worked on for nine days or ten days before we played Belgium. And so then my... Team talk before the game was a mixture of tactical mm. influence and tactical knowledge combined with, um, there was a lot of passion involved as well. I was quite vocal because I could smell it in the ground. The atmosphere was a full house. We're playing against the best team in the world or the, they were ranked one or two. I just knew that we had it in us at our best to beat them. I don't know, I don't know why I thought that. I just thought, at our best tonight, we're going to beat them. So my message to the player was, just come back in where you, should, you shouldn't even be able to walk up the tunnel. Mm. You've got no energy. You've got to leave it out there. Just leave it out on the pitch. Regardless of the result, leave it out on the pitch. Combined with a tactical message of what we've been working on, and that was, that's what it was. And obviously, you know, it, the game turned out the way it turned out. The rest is history. Qualification... Euros, um, I think what you've just said there is interesting. Against Belgium, leave it all out there. I think they left it all out there against Belgium in the quarterfinal because I remember working on that game and I remember, obviously, celebration. I remember seeing players lying on their backs. They were, they were done. Yeah. Yeah? In yeah. A, in, for a team, I remember, God bless his soul, Di Davis mm. recently passed away used to work with Dai before Wales games. He always, always used to say, Wales, no good in double headers, okay? Double headers, Wales never get two good results. And that campaign changed it. But then we were going into a major championship. If you're no good at double headers, how are you going to be in a tournament with loads of games? Mm. But I, I, I do feel you might feel different. Against Belgium, the lads gave everything. So Portugal was maybe just a little step too far without enough... Yeah. Recovery. Correct. Now, you've spoke about the Euros so much. Um, how was it really, you know, behind the scenes for you? Your your press conferences are legendary. Some of the things you say. Do you practice what you say? Uh, I'm not sure if you'll admit to it or, or not. Because some of the things that you said, about Wales being a small country, but, you know, whatever you said. Is that something that you practice as a manager going into a press conference? Because if I'm doing an interview, mm. sometimes if I w used to walk the dog, mm. I'd have a little rehearsal. And mm. Whether you said it or not, but you're thinking about this interview, what, what was that like for you? 
Um, oh, yeah, I think I, I remember I said one or two things and I was on my phone there. My phone's flashing and I'm looking as I'm speaking. It's my wife. I, I, of course, I'm not checking messages. I'm, you know, I'm in the press conference. And then when I check it afterwards, it's like my wife saying, who told you to say that? You never said, you never come up. You never, that's not you. You never said that. And I was like, I was like, oh, that is that is what I think, you know. Of, that's that way. You're Chris Coleman from Town Hill. From, you're a Town Hill boy from Swansea. You don't think like that. You can't, you, you're not allowed to think like that, you know. But for me, I, I just think of what I thought of where I know the, what the, what you're referring to. I said we're a small country, but if you talk about passion, then we're a continent. But it, to me, it just came natural to say that because I think you already said that earlier, Owen, about how passionate Welsh people are about Wales. So I don't think it was anything. You know, it was, just, it was an obvious thing to say. It, or it, it, it gathered a bit of momentum, but it was an obvious thing to say. And that's what I felt about Wales. And I said, it wasn't just about, I think somebody described it. So I was like, oh yeah, five at the back, mm-hmm. give it the Bailey, score a goal. It's, if it was as easy as that, right, yeah. everybody would be doing it. It was a little bit different than that. But um, I just wanted to, my message to the players was, this country, we've been screaming for champ, uh, tournament football for so long. And now we've got it. So let's send the right messages, not lies. Let's tell everybody exactly what we are about, mm. how we are. Um, let's not tell any lies and let's make sure we show them what we're capable of because this time will come and go like any other time. Yeah. Let's look back on it and go, well, there's nothing more we could have done. That's, we, we showed everything we had. This is what we are. And whatever, wherever we fall down, that's where we fall down. That's just the way it is. So that was my message to the players. And I tried to emphasize that sometimes in the media. But I didn't, because you don't, especially in those situations, you don't know what you're going to be asked. And you don't know, you know, you're still getting tricky questions of, I remember one says, oh, Chris, you know, against England, you know, he played terrible football. And it was all negative. You this, And I thought, listen, we've already got three points in the bag. We only need probably a point in the next game. Mm-hmm. We're going to qualify. It was against England or uh, England. We've never, ever been here before in this situation. It's all new for us. So we're going to be here and here. Um, but... You know, we never, what we, what we were good at, we never let any outside influence sway our mood. The mood was incredible. Inside where we stayed was, the mood was incredible. It really wasn't. We got it right on the pitch in the training sessions. Tactically, we got it right. Physically, we got it right. We, 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 left, we left nothing to chance, nothing. We were in, you know, my staff, myself, I mean, my, my close staff, we were in the classroom all hours of the day. Mm-hmm. Before training, we train at 10. It means we were in the classroom at 8.30, breakfast back in the classroom, out to train at 10, back in the classroom after dinner at 1.30, studying the training, studying the loadage. Was that session just right? Did we get the meters right in that session? Did we train five minutes too long? Was it too quick? Was it too slow? Looking at all the heart? data, we looked at everything to make sure we got everything right. So I, I get annoyed when people go, yeah, but it, you know, it was five at the back and it was, you know, as if it was, we, we, we worked our socks off. We had every game covered in the tournament, but different scouts. Mm. So just in case we never know who we were going to play against, we had all the information sent back to us, which we studied just in case we never knew who we were going to play. So we had everything. We left nothing to chance. And we did it the right way because we didn't know. Listen, it happened once for me, once for us. But I, looking back, I can say to you, I should have done that differently. I can't. I emptied what I had there. I got what I got. I'm happy with that. There's nothing I can say I should have done that differently. There's not many times in my life I can say that. But that time... I don't think I could have done anything differently. Any regrets for the following campaign? Um, because it ended up with you leaving, not quite being able to get to a World Cup. Um, I always felt on the outside, and you're seeing whatever's going on media-wise, 
messages from yourself, um, you know, whether it's contract talks or I can't remember what was going on. I always felt he'll stay. You know, you know, uh, often you see chat going on and you're thinking, all right, Chris is looking for a new contract or whatever it may be. And I always felt, we'll be all right, don't worry. I was in France for that friendly. Yeah. We introduced Brooks, Ampadu, uh, Woodburn as well at the same time. It was a big surprise to me, mm. but it was obviously something that you felt yeah. you know, at the time was right. Yeah, I, yeah, I wasn't, um, you know, the talks didn't actually go the way I, I wanted them to go. And I'll leave it there, but it was a little bit of a clash, but there, things, you know, that's, that's how things go. But um, that, I, no, I was disappointed in myself in that campaign because my dream was the World Cup. Mm. We've never, you know, we went to the World Cup in 58, but we never qualified to go to that World Cup. And I think if people know their history mm -hmm. and how that went, we never qualified through a campaign. Now, the team that got there were brilliant. They got to the quarterfinals. Brazil knocked us out 1-0. John Charles was, you know, John Charles was John Charles. Um, so I thought okay, to go to the World Cup was... And then the, the, the World Cup campaign, we lost one game. Drew four, one four, drew five, lost one. Not a bad record, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah. And we were always nearly there, but we couldn't get over the line. And what we didn't handle, not properly, we, we tried to handle it, but we, it was new to us, was the the influence or, or the, everybody wanted, the, the intrusion was incredible because of what we did at the tournament. So the landscape was different, that campaign. Train, every training session was different. The press conference was different. And then games, fans, instead of, oh my God, what's happening here? Expectation changes with success. We, we, do, we expect we, yeah, to correct. We draw in Austria too, yeah. too, and Austria were very good at the time. Yeah. And it was a bit disappointing. We draw in Dublin with 10 men. It was like, oh, we've dropped two points. So we all sensed that, we were like, okay, we need, we need to go again. We need a bit more, a bit more. Rather than being the, the ones in the campaign before where we're chasing all the time and we're chasing for everything and scratching for every scrap. And every time we want to throw in and the opposition is off, we've got an applause. Now it's, well, we, we, need, we should be winning this. Mm. Should be doing better there. And that's just, that's life and that's the way it goes. So that, but the World Cup campaign, I was disappointed because I thought, I thought if we get in the playoffs, I fancy us against anybody because on our day, we'll beat anybody. And we just, that last game, we lose, Baylor didn't play the last two games. Joe Allen has to get taken off after 20 minutes. He's ripped out half the spine let's of the team. Let's not get started on no. Wheeling and McLean going in there. <laughs> yeah, All right, let's yeah. not go there. No, let's not even go, <laughs> let's, let's not get started on that. But that's, that's the way it goes, you know, and that's, that's it. But I think I looked at it and I thought, I looked at some of the young players now who are doing very well. You've already mentioned Ampatu and Brooks um, and, um, you know, Lockyer and, and Joe Rogan came to train to train with us quite a few times because we could see where he was going to be. Mm. Um, so quite a lot of those players were with us, training with us. Dan James. Um, so it's nice to see them now yeah. doing what they're doing. It's great. Right. We're going to wrap this up shortly because, in fairness, Sean, the sound guy, deserves a... A, a massive pat on the back because obviously I can't be trusted to record a full podcast. He's got, <laughs> yeah. his, you know, he, he's thirsty. We've got a curry on the go, ready to go. So a couple of questions to finish off. What is next? Because obviously Sunderland, China, um, different experiences. Yeah. Well spoke about, but what what's next? Yeah. What's next? What's it's been next? a weird year. Yeah. I think what's next... I don't know what's next. I think it'll be abroad again. We leave Wales, we go to Sunderland, the full flat in our face. We're there, we're there four or five months. Great club, great fans, as good as I've ever been involved with. But just we just, the problem's there. We needed more than five months to turn it around. We never got that. China, great, got there. We were in the bottom three. We ended up finishing top six, which is great first season for us. First eight games, second season. We lost half the team because we see now financially China, the football in China is being cut by 50%. There's two clubs already gone to the wall. Our club that we were managing are really struggling. Mm. So they had to cut the budget, which is disappointing. We had a bad start to the season, first seven or eight games, ended up getting the sack. And that's, that's football. Now, where are we going to be? Abroad, I hope. You love it abroad, don't you? I do love you it You love abroad. a different experience. And away from, yeah. away from that... 
the, the bubble in the UK. I know you took yeah. the Sunderland job. Yeah. Because what, if you turn that club around, which I'm sure Correct. over time you Correct. fancied yourself to do, but away from that UK bubble, mm. there's different experiences to be had. Look, I, I say to British coaches now, what, what are you waiting for? Even, you know, one, one minute I was managing Fulham in the Premier League. Two or three years later, I was in the second division in Greece. So, I'm managing. I'm getting experience. Yeah. I'm trying to get better at what I do. Um, I would, honestly, I go anywhere around the world if I thought that's a, yeah, I, I, I like that and I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump in. I think too many managers think because everybody says Premier League is only a place you can manage, and it's such an arrogance. And an, I, I hate that elite attitude. You can only work in the Premier League. Nonsense. Shut up. It's rubbish. Everybody wants to work there for more than one reason. And one of the reasons is definitely money. Mm. I'm not being a hypocrite. I went to China. Of course, there's a lot of money involved. But I've also been to Greece in the second division. I've been to Spain in the second division. You know, I, I did that before I went to China. I, I want to travel around the world. I want to have different experiences and different challenges. And there's a lot of good British managers out to work because they're not prepared to travel. And not enough of us have traveled where we can make a big enough impression. Because some of us do travel and we fall flat on our face and people go, well, when they do travel, they don't do well. But there's so many more that could travel and do well. Um, and I think I, I definitely, you know, I speak to other British managers and say, get your arse in gear and just go there or there or there, whatever. Get that experience. Because even when you, when you lose and you're still getting that experience and that is a big, big thing. I can't wait to see where you end up next because, you know, I think you ignored my calls when you were in China. I but now not. you now you, you never even call me. But now you can't. Time. There's a documentary there, especially because <laughs> you're learning the lingo. Whatever country you're at, you know, once COVID calms down, we're there. There's yeah. going to be some golf. Yeah. Some green coch. Yeah. I give you I give you my number. It's one of those phones I bought in the garage. <laughs> you, you, you've got my number. It's always engaged. We've got an Indian to eat. Let's eat it. Uh, well, you, you've gone for a coma and I've gone for a vindaloo. <laughs> Do you want to explain that to, to everybody that's listening? I've gone, on, I've gone for a dance sack. I've never had one before. Yeah, you've gone for a creamy dance sack, right? You've no gone good. for a Yeah, you've gone for a... No respect. Well, You're six foot five, big fella. Come on. You can do better than a dance sack. Yeah. A madras. At least a madras. Let's go for the Indian before this red wine loosens the Green lips cork. too much. Hey, we've mentioned them a couple of Loose times. Loose lips sing ships. Yes, they do. Right. Let's leave it there. But, hey, what's the nickname? We've mentioned them a couple of times. Joe Allen's nickname. Joe Allen's nickname in English is an owl. Yeah. And the big question is... Ungumrag. Ungumrag. What, what is his name in Welsh? And ah, Pam. Gwydu. Gwydihu. 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 Pam. Because, yeah. achos, I can't say the rest in words, but I'll say it in Sisnag. Yeah. That boy, right, he's, when he plays football, he turns into something that's not human because he can turn his head. And if he can't turn his head, then he's got eyes in the back of his head that we can't see because his awareness of space and what's going on in the space that he can't see, then I think he must be an owl. Goody who? Goody who, Hey, we're not going to get it down the red kite route because what I've learned this Don't week... Don't start me on the, the red I've kites, I've never mate. met anyone who loves a red don't kite start more than red, you. Big fella, don't start... Listen, they're in where I live, they're every, and they're amazing, amazing creatures. <laughs> you love them, don't you? I do love the red kite. You kites. love red kite more than football. Right, let's go and eat this Indian chicken. Tikka masala, Ichti, Chris? I'm Danny. I'm Danny. Let's go. Nah, Vindaloo. Dioch, Chris. Dioch, Dioch. there we go the first episode back is in the books hopefully you enjoyed that conversation as much as i enjoyed being a part of it chris was as you would have imagined a brilliant guest um anybody who's listened to the pod previously will realize there's no script there's no agenda the conversation goes where it goes and hopefully that brings out something a little bit different to your regular interviews with these guys um if you want to listen back to the back catalog if you haven't already there's loads of episodes there. Wales Specific with Joe Allen, Chris Gunter, Neil Taylor, and plenty more. If you enjoyed, 
please leave a review and a rating uh, or subscribe on whichever app you get your podcast from Apple, Spotify, wherever um, and before I go massive thank you to Make Parry uh, without without Mickey P this wouldn't be possible he puts it all together um, puts it on these platforms that mean that you guys can listen to it so big shout out to him thanks again to Miriam and Carol for the now legendary theme song never get tired of listening to it and you know what it's just good to be back until next time thank you for listening